0: OTB GAA You don't just have a speech the Wednesday before a game You go out and you rail up your team And go out and play the match with fire and Brimstone Now you analyse teams to death Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed Wherever you get your podcasts
1: OTB's The Hurling Pod With James Skell and Paul Murphy People of Galway
0: We love you I don't want to leave the people of Waterford, you know, cuz they're my life, you know. People of Waterford are my life, you know, and I I I love I love, I love my county, you know. We love Jamalan. Oh. It's almost like they're afraid to kind of mm. go on hurl and yes. just let themselves express themselves. They're, it's like as if they're nearly afraid to make a mistake, and sometimes you have to make a mistake and just throw off that bit of nervousness and have a go.
2: Yeah, it's pure constipated hurling.
1: Questions and <coughs> some talking points uh, from the week just gone by. Murph, I'll let you talk about Joey Holden, because he's in Guatemala at the moment. I was doing an interview with him at the weekend, uh, so he's away at the moment, so he was doing a Zoom call. He wasn't in Dublin to uh, collect his award in person, but I think he deserved Club Hurler of the Year purely for his performance in the semi semifinal. Um, he was brilliant against Ballygunner that day. Not to say he wasn't uh, consistently impressive for Ballyhale Shamrocks all season, but I thought in that semifinal particularly he was brilliant.
0: He was yeah um, and came out with just really important balls you know every time the ball seems to drop in there it would break he's a very cute hurler as well in that you know he knows how to manage the man he's marking in that okay he mightn't catch the ball cleanly out of the sky which he's well able to do but he he just steps in beside his man moves him to one side breaks the ball down takes it and so much of what Joey does is coming out with that ball and popping it off and getting Hale on the attack you know you saw even in the final as well Uncody won man the match and the first thing he said was I think this is for Joey Holden, this shouldn't be for me. is just such a consistent player and even being at the county final this year again, he's so frustrating for opposition supporters because he's so consistent. Like Invariably, he's generally marking one of the, the, the club players, best players in the full forward and he just keeps coming out with this ball, popping it off and once the ball starts moving then up, you're getting it into your Adrian Mullins and own Cody's and these lads and it's on the attack but it, in invariably quite a lot of time it starts with Joey. You know, he breaks down someone's attack And then he gets comes out with a really good ball, uses it really well, and off Ballahale goes. So if you talk to any of the Ballahale lads, like I heard with Joey from, went to secondary school together, Mm -hmm. went to school in Ballahale, like all them lads will tell you just what a great teammate he is what he brings to the team. He's great crack in the dressing room. He's great crack after a match. He's, and then just goes about his business so well. So it's, it's deserving to win, a, to win something like this, you know, after Ballahale, after everything they've done and how stacked they are with great hurlers for Joey to win it. I think it's, it's, it's really apt this year that he won it.
1: Yeah, uh, it's good to see a defender win the award as well. Nearly every year it's the, the free-taker, the star forward on the winning team that generally picks sick up of the it. award. I'm sick of <laughs> it. There you go. Um, this is one that's come in directly just as Murph was answering. So oh. I felt the phone vibrate, had a quick look. It's a DM from Robert Hoffler. And it goes back to the Limerick and Westmeath game we were talking about just a few moments ago. Hi, Will and the lads. Big fan of the pod. Just wanted to get your thoughts on something. I was at the Limerick and Westmeath game at the weekend. For the first time, I saw Westmead give Limerick a guard of honour when they come onto the pitch. I I'm a Limerick man and go to all the games I've never seen that happen before just want to know what you think about this for the league campaign should all the teams that play the reigning All-Ireland champions do this with a laughing emoji uh, I could never imagine Limerick being given that level of respect in Ennis. keep up the good works lads Robert Hoffler it is a bit unusual to go into round four and for Westmead to give him mm. the card of honour yeah that's that's an unusual one yeah usually like, we, we've done that
0: before certainly Um, in the first round I remember playing All-Ireland Champions in the first round we did it out in Ennis against Clare in 2014 we did it against Tip in 2011 I think at Nolan Park so but yeah like you said round four is an unusual one but maybe it's just the fact that again Westmead you know very aware that they were bringing the All-Ireland Champions to town but I think to be honest doing it every round would be a bit of a I I don't know. I wouldn't be a fan of it every round. <laughs>
2: Not a notion <laughs> sorry. Guys. No, might might mightn't,
0: mightn't do any harm to eat, to getting into a fellow psyche there or a team psyche and maybe trying to build them up a small bit. But jeez uh, I think it'd be a pain in the arse for teams every weekend to have to clap Limerick out into the pitch because you could what be in the first a few round. Scale?
1: First round, they're coming in their first game since they were crowned <clears> champions <throat> or won the preseason competition. Say, would you give them a guard of honor then?
2: oh it depends on who you're playing. God. <laughs> right, which team
1: are you not giving a guard of honour to
2: then? I wouldn't give it a chip now. I know. Like to... <laughs> Have you no, never I... done that? Have you never done, done the guard of honour? We've never done it. We got one right. We got one in 2018. No. Who was, who was but...
1: kind enough to do it for you?
2: I'm trying to remember. I remember running out past them, just kind of going, sort of, I, I once they kind of half sniggered and like, you know, oh, Jesus. Like, I I don't know. I'm not a fan of it anyway. I think that should be just abolished entirely. Like, that's last year's competition. Fair play to you. You won Move on. This this year. No, I, and that, that's not even called old school. That's just probably me being. What's the correct word to say here Ignored. now? Without sound like it. I was going to say, <laughs> ignorant is one word, over jealous is another word. To, you know, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> over jealous. <you know. laughs> yeah, God, God damn it. They won it and we didn't. Yeah, but no, every round, that's utter madness. I think it was anyone, just, uh, anyone who thinks that, that I know we're, we're having the crack here hmm. but if someone comes on the show now or, or texts in and says that should be put into place he wants to check himself into a mental facility.
1: Was, there was a laughing emoji.
2: <laughs> no, I'm saying oh, I know it's the crack but I'm saying if anybody else comes in in future and says they should come in he needs to be admitted. <laughs> similar, is that, right?
1: So I, I thought it was good manners from Westmead But I think it would have been better manners if it was the first round Obviously they can't determine the fixtures But oh yeah, it, was, it was a bit strange All right, right. Another one that came at me earlier today Was from Mark Corcoran Who's at MarkMiguel101 on Twitter Question for the Ireland pod At one stage in the second half I saw one of the Waterford for fullback speaking into his front collar I think it's more than the goalkeeper that's mic'd up Am I wrong on that? I don't, know if I, I don't think outfielders Are going to be mic'd up I think it's much easier If you're a goalkeeper To mm. hide the listening device And potentially hide it Say if there was a mic there Like to me Surely your opponent Would also notice You were mic'd up If the full back had one on
0: Yeah I, I didn't see this now To be honest uh, The example that That he's talking about But yeah I'd find it very hard Whatever is involved In these microphones For it to actually stay attached during a game where it's meant to be, but also out of sight so nobody sees it, and then it's not going to interfere with you in the game. So I would question that. I might go back and have a look and just fast forward through the second half and see, but you know, sometimes when they zoom in on a player, for example, you might have a physio down, let's say, doing something to his calf or his ankle while the player is standing there looking at the pitch and still speaking to the physio while watching what's going on. So I, it, my first inclination would be that maybe something like that happened, But, uh, yeah, no, i would have to go back and have a look at it. I I didn't see it
1: anyway. I don't know if he saw it, but I certainly didn't see it. Sense a timestamp, Mark. Make it easier to find. Exactly. You have a good look. (laughs) I I would think, Scale, just on an obvious level, too, right? So you're the goalkeeper for Waterford this season, and they've trialled a few of them during the league. But if you're the goalkeeper and you've got a listening device in, and potentially say if there was a microphone attached somewhere within your helmet I would think when you're that distance away from the other players you communicating back potentially with the management team would be a better idea than if you're in the rough and tumble of it like if a full back says something the full forward could hear what you're giving back yeah. instruction wise
2: mm-hmm. yeah I agree with you and look I don't think it's in any ways practical at all um, just because there's too much probably contact for a full back between you know wrestling with lads tackling etc going out through tackles I just don't think it's a viable option for him to have it yeah, you know, maintained and operational for the whole game. Goalkeeper, although I don't agree with it, probably is a more viable option if you were to go down that route. And interestingly, just you kind of, I didn't see any guy behind the goal. On no. Did s- you?
1: Didn't yeah. spot it this week. No. no.
2: And nothing. there was nothing really, no no photograph taken or, 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 or no comment made about it. So it, it seems like they've, I won't say abandoned it, but moved away from it, which is, again, a plus. They must be listening to the pod. It's, uh, so, so he must be listening to us <laughs>
1: I think it's 4D chess If you've got outfield players Who are mic'd up on top of that as well But yeah. uh, did, didn't did notice it Now I'd be intrigued And it would be particularly intriguing If we did see a microphone On one of the outfield players uh, From the YouTube NASA confirming That is my Twitter account Who is uh, As you might recall Very strongly feeling That we should get a TV for Skell So he can watch Hurling As opposed to having to watch uh, Love Island
2: The final um, sign of Troll by Mrs
1: There you go Stockroom right. Tim because uh, we were talking about two points potentially for a sideline which is one of the suggestions being made he so said imagine what uh, Kelly's sideline cut in the Munster final would have meant if it counted for two points if only so I'm guessing Stockroom Tim must be a Claire fan who looks back at what potentially could be a <laughs> two point score as opposed to a one point score um, so that's Stockroom Tim plenty of questions coming in here in the Instagram and this is one that's going to drive the, the hurling uh, let's say traditional fraternity mental but here we go Garrod og in contact, Murph, and said, discussion last week you were having about a goal being worth four points. How about rugby style? Have bonus points in the league and the provincial round Robins if you score more than three goals?
0: Yeah, it's a fair point. I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. Again, I think I'd be more for any sort of a change that would encourage you to go for a goal instead of changing the value of the goal. So, exactly like that. Like if you know, you know, we're not going to qualify this weekend uh, for the semi-finals of the league unless we get three points from the weekend. So we have to win and we have to score three or four goals. Like, I think it's actually been beneficial in rugby. Like, you know, it's there's no negativity in rugby when we talk about an extra, the bonus point. Um, so yeah, if there was something that way to try and encourage it, that teams knew now there is a new dynamic that, okay, the traditional two points for a win wouldn't get us over the line. But actually, if we get three points from this game by getting three goals now you have a team suddenly going for goals so yeah I wouldn't be against it and again I'd agree the traditionalists might go cracked when you hear that but again we're not changing any anything that's happening on the pitch we're changing after the fact and how it reflects on league or championship scoreboard so I think it's a great suggestion yeah
1: What do you reckon Skell?
2: The poor goalie <laughs> the poor goalie no I, I'm along the same lines as Morph like the value of the goal I'm against we covered that last week um, but the prize for scoring more of them like, is a good shout and again I know let's say we're we're generally young people in this in this, and we're into innovation you know with the guys to our game at, at present if we've got an excellent product people will always pick in it regardless of how good the product is mm-hmm. so I would just like to trial things you know so there's no harm in doing it and trialing it and see see what works out because again nothing is set in stone or forever etc so it's very easy to, to, to refer back to the original structure so again trying something for a change to see does it you know, liven up the excitement of the game? Does it, does it create more excitement on final day or, or penultimate day? I'm all for it. That's a positive step.
1: Would you ever consider, scale a defensive bonus point then? Do you get to a point where if a team are only beaten by six points, they get one point for it? Ooh. I, I know this isn't our old, old <laughs> question, but it jumped to mind because I think well, one fair. of the one of consequences would be that if you're getting, say, three, a point for three goals, then if, say, you're a team who can keep it, like rugby, and, and this would be stealing from rugby directly, if you keep it within, say, six points, and let's say, I don't know, uh, Leash or Westmead or Antrim have a particularly good performance against one of the top teams and keep it tight... They get one point for their efforts, as opposed. Again, it's a
2: fair shout. Like I think, if, if a team somehow is on the receiving end of, of three goals and that they know they're down a point, then it's an, it's an incentive for them to go and get it. If they can get it back within, as you said, six or seven, it's, again, it's a good shout, uh, and it creates another layer to the excitement of the game. So, yeah, I think that, like, defensively, teams should be awarded as well because obviously we're talking about offensively here. Mm-hmm. So there, should, there has to be kind of a trade off of some sort.
1: Uh, Murph I don't know if you cared When you were a player That the match day programme Often had Multiple changes in it But I was watching A few Waterford and Tipperary uh, People who might be Say followers And maybe casual mates in the case of some Tip people On Friday night And they were all waiting To see when the team Was going to be announced Because they knew It was a Saturday night match Teams were eventually announced, I think uh, late in the case of the Waterford team on Friday night, and it might even have been Saturday morning before the tip team came out. And then the programme had no resemblance to the teams that were named. And then I think everyone who went to the ground and bought their programme had to get the pen out and add lads to the programme that weren't actually part of the matchday squad and there were changes all over the place. JMAC24128 says, Why are teams doing fake lineups?" Kerry this week named well-known backs in the half-forward line. And that point probably extends out to some of the teams that were submitted to the GA for programmes were all over the place in the week just gone by. Now, you can't help it if there's injuries. And I'm sure in the case of, say, Wexford, they were probably waiting to see where some of the players were at. But... Um, in some cases, you see teams that are nowhere near what's been named online or what's been sent into the programme. Do you care? As a player, you don't. No, a player, you're nearly happier
0: that the less is known before you get to a game, to be honest. So as a player, you, look, you're not even paying attention to it, really. You don't give a shit what's in the programme. Like, because you know honest, what the team was named the training. You know what, what the I team think. was, and, and like... If you get, like, for, for a lot of people who wouldn't know, you go into a dressing room, let's say, Kilkenny, are playing Galway. You go into a dressing room, you're handed a programme. You don't even look at your own team. You have a look to see who might have been marking here. You probably know it already, but you might be just having a look. Yeah, there's a Galway team. You don't pay any attention to it whatsoever. Um, what I would say is, look, if, if, if a team has players that they normally play in the backs, in the forwards, in the programme, that's a bit of a kind of a, throwing a bit of smoke screen there to try and block it out. But what potentially may have happened with the likes of Watford is, you know, counties have to submit
1: teams for the programme as far as I know it's maybe Wednesday or Thursday it's quite early I think it's, ter- I think it's Thursday morning and there's a fine if you don't have it submitted in time yeah and a lot of teams would be looking at if
0: they're playing on the Saturday some lads might be doing a fitness test the Thursday night because a lot of teams will train the Thursday as opposed to the Friday if they're playing Saturday so for the Watford case I would be saying there that they were probably looking going we, we don't know how many injuries we have and if, if this player is injured we have to move this fella or this ladder or whatever but there, was a, a, there was a lot of changes well, what I would say quite a bit of that, particularly at the moment, would be is that we spoke earlier about teams loading lads and injuries and who do we have this week and different things. I think a lot of county uh, county boards or teams are just going, listen, put in a team and whatever we put out, it'll be fine. It doesn't matter if a player's wearing 30 on his back or he's wearing 15. But it can be distracting for a team to try and name exactly your 15 on a Wednesday morning or Wednesday evening when you don't know until Thursday night. Who doesn't have an eagle? Who does have an eagle? But I will give I will give it to him that there was a lot of, particularly in the Waterford one, there was a lot of changes in that program. But I think a little bit of it is down to it. I don't think so much of that, particularly with the Waterford one, again, it's only the league. I like would you be would you be that fussed to actually play such a different team? Maybe if you're trying to ambush someone in championship. But I think a lot of this comes down to the timelines of what the GA requests from teams to demand a team by Thursday morning. And a lot of teams don't know. They probably know ten of the players that will play, but they don't know they don't know the full fifteen.
1: Hmm. scale what I find interesting with this is how different sports have very different approaches to the releasing of a team. Mm-hmm. So in rugby, you will get a kosher team a couple of days out from the game, and generally you'll also get an update if there's any reason that those teams are being changed ahead of the game as well and usually well in advance like I mean I was thinking back to Ireland Wales in the Six Nations this year where there was no obligation to say a couple of their players had picked up knocks in the morning of the game they could have waited until close enough to kick off and said two guys are coming in but generally you get that information well in advance and it's probably part of the promotion around the fixture is that teams are named well in advance and everyone talks about them and they're in the media for a couple of days then when it comes to say football and I mean soccer in this case I suppose to Gaelic football I was into Shane Keegan the cove manager was on football Saturday Saturday on OTB last week and he was saying one of the things that he didn't really like about the new FAI connects app is that the team goes in I think it's an hour and 15 before the game and he was saying generally he liked to name his team internally about an hour before the fixture would take place and in some cases his players could actually open the connect app and see what the submitted team was even before they may well have heard the lineup mm-hmm. uh, in the dressing room itself in GEA, we seem like almost totally obsessed with the idea of sticking in an A and other um, making the other team guess fake teams
2: being put in it seems to be a very different culture across different sports here when it comes to this yeah but sure like, again <clears throat> it's all aimed towards the support though isn't it it's, it's information it's not information for opposition I think as far as I know mm-hmm. I, like, if, for, as Morpheus said there if we're preparing for a team, we're preparing for certain players, you know, that can wind up in any position. So we would never refer, you know, your game plan until they name their team. It's just, that's just it's just a, it's irrelevant, to be honest. And um, it's all in, it's probably the supporters, the media, as you, as you said, to generate interest, generate chat. Um, I can understand it can be difficult as well for supporters to try to keep track of numbers because we've become so associated with the, the standard 1 to 15. So it's very easy to, it's, you know, it's quite legible, it's quite easy to read and, and follow. When you inter- introduce 19s, sixes, 30s, it's kind of hard to get a position sense, if you know what I mean. So I understand there's probably a degree of frustration there, obviously. Um, but the soccer model is probably a bit tight. Mm. The remodel, model I, w- I would like because I like the way, they're, they're, as you said, they they introduce the team a couple of days out and then they confirm it, what seems like an hour or two before the game. You know, We've often seen squad changes, let's say, for lads picking up injuries. Uh, whether it be in a captain's run or the morning of the game so I think the rugby model is probably the best to follow it's very hard for GEA and for managers as I said to, to c- clearly define your team injuries, you know, preparation, matchups whatever the case may be it's just very difficult I think probably the parameters set by the GEA probably increase the difficulty of that and probably is, is part of the problem do you know what I mean if, we, if, we're, if they're allowed to name their team a day or two later or whatever you might see probably a better reflection of the team that actually goes out on the pitch
1: Hmm. They'll probably argue We have a team Programme that has to be made And so the programme has to go off So we need a certain time To get it printed and whatever So I don't think it's something That's going to change now But yeah It was a bit of a joke Turles on Saturday mm. I Call Max 79 Has the league turned Literally into a preseason tournament There's no intensity In a lot of games Here we go uh, again I know I know I know I, <laughs> I don't want to go into this one In massive detail Because I think In fairness Murph The point is not Without merit because there have been a lot of games that felt like shadow boxing in Division One of the league in particular. But then last week we did see intensity in some of the games. And we're only after talking about Waterford and Tipperary having that intensity. And maybe, I don't know, when the semifinals come round, maybe that intensity will ratchet up a bit because it's only a few weeks out from championship then.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yes. I think I think you've got to hit the nail on the head there that closer we get to championship now, we
1: might see a small
0: bit more sparks flying, teams getting closer to their 15. Um, and yeah, I, I, it, it, it is a tough one to call, it, it, it's not without merit. Uh, it certain games do have a bit of a pre season feel, and even look to go back maybe 10 years ago. and Let's say Washford might come to Kilkenny and they'd beat us, and there'd be a big you know reaction after the game that it was a great win. There, there's not as much of that with the current league. Um, and again, it goes back to all the points we would have made previously in, in, in uh, previous episodes that. Just the way the league is sat so close to Championship at the moment it is going to detract from the small bit we will see flare-ups here and there in certain matches we weren't expecting to see it against Waterfront Tip well I wasn't I was expecting for a good game but there was, there was a bit of niggle to it you know so it's it's, it's what it. what's proven hard to do is call the games that actually are going to be really good but really good cut in it because like the last point was made we don't even know what teams are going to play if a team is going to if a county is going to put out a really good team or if they're going to hold it back a small bit so it's just a little bit um, disjointed at the moment. And I would I will give it to him, though, that it does have a bit of a pre-season feel to it that it's not the traditional league we know in terms of the atmosphere and the cut to it. But I would agree with you. I think that we will feel a little bit more of that kind of coming down the home straight of, of the league.
1: Scale, you could have a question you much prefer to talking about the league structure again. Basel seven seven seven. And we know now it's not double 777 Because the O is uh, a smaller case now In his account at this point So we can confirm that Question for Skell Who is the one player in club and county That you <laughs> hated conceding a goal against? Oh Jesus oh, You have God. to stick to just one here um,
2: yeah. One so of each In the club I used to hate conceding a goal to Conor Cavanaugh <laughs> Conor Cavanaugh is from Lee Mellows um, and right. we used to come across Lee Mellows at semi-finals we played them like five years in a row between group and semi-finals like three or four semi-finals in a row and he got a goal in every semi-final so I, I knew that if, if when he gets the goal we're in a spot of bother like I used to hate seeing him coming with the ball you know such a super finisher um, so he's the club the counted in gosh, I hate conceding goals in the count Jesus <laughs> I liked that the
1: club Was for no personal reason Like I really hated X, Y or Z And therefore When he scored he used to make my blood boil He actually had a very good reason Behind that one Yeah And straight was out that, the trap He didn't think about it at all It was just
2: bad. No um, Probably the <laughs> county Oh gee Like You know There's certain players That catch you off guard Like Larry Corbin Used to catch you off guard You know Like, I, like you'd expect power From Own Kelly Tip Own Kelly Waterford um, you'd expect it from Henry, TJ, you know, you kind of you know, you'd expect it often, But Larry Corbett, you would never expect the power he could generate. And, and he had the most awkward shot, like in terms of he'd hit it when you wouldn't expect him to hit it. And he put it under your armpit or, you know, up or over your shoulder. And he was just so, such an awkward finisher. You couldn't read him at all. Some players, you can read their body shape, and the body shape will dictate to you where they're going. And you have kind of half, you've kind of split second to go and guess, if you know what I mean. Larry couldn't read nothing. There was, Maybe it was the socks up that was kind of deterring me from... <laughs> maybe that's why I hate it so much. So yeah, I'd say Lark Corbett. I used to like conceding to him.
1: Well, here we go. This is one that came in and I think it's okay to read this one, um, Murph, purely because I think this came in Friday night into the WhatsApp group. You sent it on from Tyg Slevin in Tip, who I think was directly mm. in contact with you about this. So again, this is nicely written out, so I'm gonna read through it. Well lad, listen and enjoying the podcast, can I make a suggestion on a new All-Ireland format, which I think Scale will enjoy? I think at the moment speaking as a tip and Munster man the National League is the best run competition four tiers with competitive games at all levels so that must be the National Football League my proposal is to combine the competitions run the All-Ireland hurling on a similar basis with some changes and here's where Scal will get excited so set your phasers <laughs> to excited here Scal run the competition like not the National Football League and GEA but the NFL and American football 10 Division 1 teams in the Lee McCarthy competition all play each other Top two for Munster and Leinster play provincial finals, which also act as All-Ireland semi-finals. The bottom two teams are relegated to Division 2 for the next season and so on for all the Joe McDonough and Chrissy Ring and Rackard competitions. So this is like two conferences. So Leinster and Munster would be conferences, but you'd play against each other across the conferences by the sounds of it. Um, So then you'd have a season which would break down as colleges would have December and January, February for the county teams to prepare march start and finish the championship in july club championship for the rest of the year and bring back the club final to saint patrick's day ga is giving up the most recognized club day of the year what do you think so right there's a couple of bits here let's get to the nfl format and this idea that we'd have 10 teams who will be designated as division one teams in the lean mccarthy competition so you'd have two conferences of five would be the way we 're be looking at it. the top two for munster and leinster go into provincial finals there's that little bit of edge by having two teams being relegated to division two for the next season what do you think, scale If you're going to be excited by this,
2: so have you nine games or four games?
1: It's nine, I'm guessing. Is that is my reading of that wrong, Murph? That I think you'd play. Would you play and just your teams the in your conference, or would you play across both? You may point that to take seven. I'm not really sure on that one. No. no, no, he says all play each other. So I'm assuming that means. Yes. Yeah. Let, let's, rock, let's rock
2: on with nine games for the moment. So if it's nine
1: games, yeah. you're ranked on your conference, but you play everybody.
2: I love it. I do, I do like. I love it. I love a bit of ingenuity, a bit of innovation. I love that. Like I have no problem with that. Um, <clears throat> they're guaranteed top drawer games. Uh, the conference I love it, anyways, because the cream's when to come to the cup, regardless. Yeah, look, let's just rip up the championship format, right? <laughs> let's get let's get in touch with the GA tomorrow <laughs> and start campaigning for this. But again, you know, <clears throat> you see see that, that there was a gentleman last week that came came through with a format. There's probably loads of formats out there that people have thought up and put, put genuine thought into it that yeah. can be presented and there probably is one that can be taken and, and move forward. So like I know I use the Champions League style format. Fine. That just came out of my in my mouth of a shot but there's loads probably formats. and I just think that we, we do have to seriously look at it how do we and it'll help increase the profile do you not know, think as well? Mm. It'll help increase the game the platform it'll increase so I, I, I just think it's all positive. Well, I think but it's I would,
1: all about how it's sold. Like I think Murphy yeah. can't turn up to Tom Ryan and go <coughs> I want to have the, as I decide to cough, as I don't right, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Cork rebels against the Galway tribes, and we're going to play it that way. But if you keep the traditional side to a certain extent and sell the provincials inside the conferences, then it might work. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Um, again, it's just going to be the old traditional thing of stepping away from the Leinster and the Munster and putting different names on it. And we're often also... <coughs> in the GA, afraid of taking terms from other from other sports, such as obviously here at Conference, the, the NFL. But um, no, look, again, right, if it comes down to the basics of that it's it's nine games of the best teams playing against each other. And, you know, in our previous, about five minutes ago, we were just saying that, you know, the games are lacklustre at the moment because is there really anything on the line? Well, here we're going to have such a random matchups that we wouldn't traditionally normally have through Munster and Leinster because we're going to have a crossover and um, I think it's it's absolutely brilliant. And one of the things I will say, actually, for Tykes Seven, where the American influence comes in there, was I actually came across Tykes 11 in New York in 2013. So I went over her in New York after Cork Bettis, and Tykes 11 picked me up, never met the man before, picked yep. me up in the airport a few days after Cork had beaten us. You imagine now, Cork Bettis, 2013, in Turles. Bruce Springsteen was on the Saturday, Sunday night in Nolan Park that night. We had one or two days then, of you know, I suppose enjoying yourself or drowning your sorrows, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> and uh, get a phone call to go to New York. So I said I would. Went the following weekend. Takes seven, picked me up, dropped me to a bar, and said, "I'll pick you up in a few hours. You just wait there. I've to go back to work," and left me sitting at this beach bar. And who was who was the barman that was serving me for the for the few hours of sitting there chatting away? Connor Moore. Of
2: Conor's Fair sketches. Yeah. Conor Moore. Conor Moore, yeah. More, well, a few of the most <laughs> random stories, I have to say. Well, I tell you. I swear I, to you. Like, <laughs> I the, Moors, the Moors have a bar in
1: New York, yeah.
0: Well, no, this was different. So, like, this was, Conor Moore was on his J1. Oh, he's working the time, okay. Yeah, so this was out in Long Beach, out in <laughs> Long Island. Yeah. And I was dropped to a, be- a beach, that was only, or a bar that's only opened... Um, in the summertime called the shark, the something shark, I can't remember, but it was only me and Connor Moore for about three hours. The funny thing was, I was a little, a little worse aware now after getting on the plane and having been, you know, n- not eating or drinking the healthiest for a few days. And uh, it was only a few years later, Connor Moore, I I had, I think I'd followed him on Twitter or something. He had sent me a message saying, Jez, I haven't spoke to you since 2013 at the, the long shark or something. And I said, "Did I meet you there?" He goes, "I was the barman for the three hours." And I said, oh, "Jesus, sorry, <laughs> sorry about the At this stage, and I, I bearing in mind, at this stage, I was looking at him hanging out with Tiger Woods for uh, a few days on end, or being at the Formula One. So I was like, "Jesus, I missed the trick there." Now, in terms of getting you to do impressions for me at the bar, you know, She's asking for tickets. I always ask him for tickets for anything. Absolutely <laughs> anything. This is the thing, scale. I know I didn't. I didn't ask him for anything. Um, no, no, that's the only connection. I haven't seen him since no random, but it's gas. It, like you said, it's a, it's a random one though, scale. It's random that like you would have bumped into him there and then you see Random. He... Like it's ultra random.
2: <laughs> like I, I was going to say some hurler, but when you came out with Conor Moore, like there was not a way I was guessing that. But
0: it was actually, and I know we're going to stop topic now, Oscar, on that same trip uh, Niall Horan was actually went down to someone's house I think One Direction were in some lads oh I wasn't there now around I mean, Ni- you met Niall Horan I didn't I just told you Aww. I didn't meet Niall Horan will you
2: Moran, stop now come on Morph make it up come on <laughs> tell the story to me just make it up will you yeah, sell it to me I
0: was wrong place at the wrong time I met Conor Moore I, I'm happy with Conor Moore I traded off for Niall Horan in
1: One Direction on the Mullingar that's amazing <laughs> he, right he meets Mullingar as number two and number one and doesn't quite get to meet number one celebrity on his uh, <laughs> trip to New York um, the second part of this scale is the season idea um, which would be that obviously this would actually free up a little bit more space so again i'm looking at this that would be march to july across the nine games because you wouldn't need quite as much time because the league is being rolled into the championship here so therefore february will become county preparation month and you would be able to run off the fitzgibbon a little bit earlier in December and January so therefore you could bring the club championship uh, final back to St Patrick's Day without it really affecting the start of this new championship because it only be a couple of weeks into it like do we get to a point where there is going to be a strong argument for bringing the club finals back to St Patrick's Day with the schools final for St Patrick's Day this year under the new format but do we get to a point where there is going to be a clamor to get it back or do people now just accept late January is the new place in the calendar for it
2: yeah, like I think St. Patrick's Day is, again, a traditional thing. Um, I've, I probably have no issue with with the way the club finals have been around at the moment. I think they tie in nicely with, with, with players being reintroduced back into county squads. Um, they get to spend basically the whole winter, if you like, with their clubs in terms of preparation. The preparation isn't broken. Um, I have no issue with it. I have no issue whatsoever. I just feel like, and from experience, when when club players were gone... Uh, all the way through to Saint Paddy's Day, or and then they're gone probably for a couple of weeks later. It's running that just that little bit late. You know what I mean? You're, guys who come back, let's say in mid-April after a prolonged break and then an, an break, mind you, and then the preparation time is a bit low. So it's it seems like the way it's working at the moment would be fine. Obviously, the players to ask are, are certainly the Belaguna lads and and the Hay lads. To see how they feel about it. Um, interesting, we haven't seen TJ yet, probably age and profile come into a bit of that that he's probably been managed with a bit more um, closely than the rest but I'd say the way it's working now is probably a positive again that's a positive change another one so I've a it was that
1: okay Murph what do you reckon St. Patrick's Day is there a value in still having that day as the day for club or is it maybe over romanticised a little bit it's it's
0: a trickier one now like, like Scott was saying there it's tricky now that this half of the year is for County to try and push the club to that stage I think it's causing, for the sake of one day, it's causing maybe a needless dynamic. Now, if you wanted to have it as some sort of inter-county day, I I don't know how you'd manage that. But I think to push the club championships that far forward, I mean, we have four rounds as now played of the league in inter-county. And we still wouldn't have played the club All-Irelands. And you're, you're bearing in mind, you probably want to give your club players a bit of downtime I think you just have to forego it. If you're going to actually push it out this far, I think you're going to have to forego having the club finals at St. Patrick's day. um, Mm. And just look, it's, it's worked fine. Now, you know, we have the club, all Ireland's played teams or players have a small bit of downtime and they can rejoin their inter-county panels. The only thing I would actually say is that the underage to, to maybe take it a step further, the underage in all counties is actually still offset to the, to the inter county, which I think we'd actually see more benefits again, if, you know, we still have young players playing secondary schools, trying to play in whatever their county's development squads and different things are. That's all still offset. And it, I think it has more repercussions towards the end of the year where they then try and go back with their clubs and their clubs want them back now. And maybe they're joining the secondary school or they're in secondary school and they're, they're up for trials with their... That's all still a bit messy at the moment. So I think for younger players, if we we're to take it a step further, I think... That needs to align up now where, like, counties have development squads or whatever it is at the start of the year in line with inter county, and maybe align that up with your hearty cups and all this. And then at the far end of the year, it's just club. Because at the moment, there's a little bit of crossover. And I know, certainly with Kilkenny, it's a headache with fixtures trying to figure it out and give the clubs their players, but also at the same time, bring them in to do a development, you know, development work with them to bring them on to the next level. So, if I was to say that's some an area maybe the GA needs to look at is to maybe align that up with the adult level and the under 20 level.
1: My idea that I always had for St. Patrick's Day if the club moves away was basically steal an NFL idea as well which would be have a county day which is usually the last round of the Hurling League and very late in the Football League anyway where you play fixtures where they wear retro jerseys and have it as a day that's almost assigned off to having interesting inter-county games that are on and televise a few of them. So you could have a doubleheader at Crow Park, you could have a double header in Thurlis and have do it that way. So don't yeah. lose the day for the potential of the excitement around it because everyone's off and people could travel to games and it's not an issue for players to play even if it falls midweek because it's a public holiday anyway. And maybe that could potentially could be something that they could have a look at. But... Yeah. I haven't thought it out fully, but that's the the base of an idea on it. Last thing I want to touch on just before we finish is I have to do power rankings tomorrow on O T B A M. That'll be Tuesday morning, I think, around about nine o'clock. So therefore I've got the power rankings kind of updated here. I know Scale probably uses notebook beside him, so you can take issue with these. No,
2: no, I haven't. My power rankings is limerick number one, the rest is spread out.
1: Yeah I mean it's refer- Best to refer- take a seat I'm not, I'm not sure what kind of slot That would be On the show <laughs> You know Limerick are quite good And everyone else Are not quite as good as Limerick uh, Have a good day lads See ya um, So where was I at Oh here we go Murphy so, first well, well do you want me to no, run no through mine And then you can disagree with them Which means go. you don't have to Even write them down Go So 18, Derry, 17 down after last week. Carlo 16, Kerry, 15. Kildare ahead of Kerry now on 14 after the win. Offley stay in 13. Leash have fallen down to 12. I've put them behind Westmead who are in 11. Antrim are in 10. And then the rest of it, I changed about six times before I sent it on to the production team. So I'm not even sure myself what this is if I agree with the next six especially. But I put Wexford in nine. Dublin in eight. Waterford in seven, after we debated about Waterford qualifying or not. Clare in six. I think there were four last time. Tipperary are in five, because I had to put Tipperary up a little bit. Galway in four. Cork are in three, which I'm sure people are going to give out about and get edgy about, because this happened last year as well. Kilkenny in two, and I've got Limerick in one. I'm really not sure about my own selections, but by all means gentlemen disagree and find another argument for teams being elsewhere in there. I reckon you're going to disagree with probably the top 8 more so than anyone else
0: I'm happy enough top 8 can you can you're number 2 Limerick 1 after that let's get he give out why Galway should be up there because they're the Welsh Cup <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh Murphy, make me laugh! <laughs> I thought he was going to be like, "Oh Murphy, you've stolen my line." This is going to be it. The only team with silverware so far. How could you have them outside the top three? Exactly.
2: We're actually hot right now. Um, I obviously can't argue with number one. Um, Jesus, you see, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. I've I an eye in the championship and what the teams potentially can produce. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying, not, I'm trying not to get sidetracked by the league too much because we know we talked about train blocks, players available, etc. Hmm. Um, I still have Galway as two. I have Kilkinny as three and Cork four.
1: Damn, we're actually not disagreeing by that much then. Because I don't uh, think the margins that different between those, four, between those mm-hmm. three.
2: Yeah, Tipperary though is the one that's it's the dark horse that could climb and climb pretty rapid.
1: It's a danger of trying to predict this monster Championship because even a couple of weeks ago before this round of games we were kind of saying do you know is still steady and then you see Clare have a bit of a disappointing game against Galway so as a result Mm. you recalibrate just a little bit and next thing Tip of edged ahead of them and you're thinking it's going to be Limerick Cork-Tipperary to qualify while two weeks ago we were thinking "Mm, it's a tough ass for Tipperary to qualify will they actually get ahead of Clare and then you've got Waterford who haven't done a whole lot wrong all year and realistically, they could point to the fact that without the red card for Jamie Byrne, they were right in the game against Tipperary. You guys are hyping Tipperary at the moment and Waterford aren't that far away. I
2: think it's worth noting too, that even if Galway got relegated from the league, I actually wouldn't put them low kicking me. Never, Morph, never. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which gives me the impression you're entirely objective about your power rankings and therefore Galway will always be in number two. But yeah, I don't know about that middle section, Murph. That's the difficult part for me is where to put Tip, Clare, Waterford right now. I think the rest of it is toss of a coin between Dublin and Wexford. The others are very close, Antrim, Westmead and Leash. But it's that middle bit, Waterford, mm. Clare, Tipperary. I don't know really how to actually factor all three in. Because you could argue yeah. with Clare, what's in the bank from last year. Waterford potential when they get back to the full team. Tipperary, what they've shown so far this year. But 7-6-5 particularly, very hard to separate.
0: It is, yeah. And it's it's, it's exactly that's what you're
1: saying, is that those teams
0: nearly per per, or per team there, if they had a good year last year, they are maybe not having a great league at the moment. Or if they had a bad, let's say, Tipperary weren't exactly lightening up at the end of last year, going really well in the league. Watford well, f- finished poorly, but had a really good league last year player really strong you know you're trying to balance off here what's currently happening and also what, like you said what they have in the bank from last year Um, and again the inconsistency in the league does come into it as well we haven't learned at times enormous amounts here so there are there are teams that are falling into the grey area and there's still a bit of a question mark over them so it's a tough one to try and nail down and you you could probably sit here all night and argue one team or another as to why they should be in certain position Um, because no team at the moment outside of Limerick has been flawless really throughout the league. Even like you I mean looking at the weekend even Cork. You know Cork not flawless there getting over the line. Mm-hmm.
1: So you could point to something with each team as to why you could mark them down or mark them up. Rip us apart in the comments. That is the power ranking so far as we get ready for the last <laughs> yes. round of the regular section this coming weekend. Lads it's been a pleasure. We'll chat to you again next week. Cheers What's for it. lads.